Welcome to Pep Talks, People Empowering People. These uplifting interviews allow everyday people to share their not-so-everyday stories of resiliency to help you get through your story. This is your host, Casey Crawford Kellum. I'm a widow who has certainly faced my share of adversity, but I continue to keep on dancing. I'm a school counselor, author, yoga instructor, motivational speaker, and former business owner and special ed teacher, and now podcaster. My journey is about helping you to get through your journey. Pearl Howie, who goes as Pearl Escape, comes to us having traveled the world to learn from healing masters. She's had a diverse history of careers, including a filmmaker, working in finance, and now as a Zumba instructor. She's an award-winning author of 70 books, of which more than 35 are official bestsellers. Her book, Free Feeling, Real Emotions Every Day, is about waking up to the things inside herself she had numbed. She didn't do it with alcohol or drugs, prescription painkillers, gambling, work, or even perfectionism. She mainly did it with positive thinking, looking on the bright side and shutting down anything that wasn't keeping her smiling. We're going to learn how Pearl helps people feel alive, waking up to their own life and following their heart through writing, photography, books, classes, videos, and whichever tools feel right. Well, welcome, Pearl Howie, who goes by Pearl Escape. Um, I appreciate you being on our podcast today. How are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. I'm here. Um, I'm actually in the London time zone. I'm actually on the south coast of England. So it's a little bit later for me. <laughs> it's a little bit later, and I really appreciate you talking to me so late at night. Well, oh, why don't you okay. tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, you and I just met on Buzzsprout, which is a platform for podcasting. And why don't you tell me just a little bit about um, who you are, and we'll get into all the amazing things that I mentioned in the intro that you have done. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, um, gosh, it's a good question. Uh, I think actually the last year before uh, this year of, of going into lockdown here in England, I was really focusing on the publishing consultancy. And uh, because I have a, a history of writing and publishing, I was actually helping other authors to do that. Uh, but it really just just kind of ties into everything I've done before. With I've worked in fitness, um, in in travel, and um, in counselling, all those things. And it's really always just been about supporting people and helping them through the you know the big blocks that they have in life. And I, I kind of call it escapes because it can be anything. It can be anything that makes you feel alive, makes you feel good. And uh, it's been extraordinary where it's actually taken me. <laughs> Well, and I, I love that. So why don't you start us off? Like what what had you traveling the world? I mean, that is huge. All the places you've been looking for healing. Why did you even begin that journey? Do you know, it, it reminds me very much of a conversation I had with my mom. Um, and what happened was I, I actually went on a, a, a spiritual retreat to Sedona, which I'm guessing a lot of people do. And I then went to a Native American spa and had a healing there. And I had what a lot of people would call an awakening. And before that, I thought, yeah, I'm doing all these things. I was doing loads of things that I loved. I'd 
uh, been to Mexico, I'd been to Japan, to China, to lots of places, um, but like on holiday, you know, for, for a week or a couple of weeks. And when I, when I had that experience, it just kind of woke me up to how many things I hadn't done. Yeah. And when I finally, then I finally decided to sell my house and, and go traveling. And it was kind of having a very late gap year. And wow. I said, oh, yeah, well, exactly. But <laughs> the thing is that my brother suffered um, a, a traumatic stroke when he was very young, when I was about 16. And, and I said to my mom, I said, you know what, if this hadn't happened when I was 16, I would have done this when I was like 21, when I was 22. And she said, and this was so true, she said, no, she said, you'd have done it together. You know, you'd have done it with your brother. Oh, wow. Wow. So you saw him suffer through the stroke and then you decided, wow, I, I need to get moving. I need to see the world. I need to live life fully because life is valuable and, and we don't know what tomorrow brings. Well, actually, it wasn't quite like that because what I meant was that when he had the stroke at kind of age, he was age 14, I was age 15, uh, it just put the brakes on a lot of things you know, where I was heading at that time. And it kind of changed my direction. And then when I sort of wake up, woke up, you know, and I was, I guess, oh, was I 45, something like that. I kind of just realized how much stuff I'd put on hold, you know, and it was, it was at that point, it was waking up and saying, hang on, this, you know, this is a part of me that I've never allowed myself to, to fully experience because I think I probably just felt guilty, you know, if I went traveling and he couldn't or, and I think I was scared of how, how I would feel, you know, what would come up. And it's, it's hard sometimes to go it alone because you, you want the people you love to be with you. And, and it can kind of be a real, I always think it's a really brave thing to go off and experience things on your own because you, you're doing as much as you can to experience it for everyone. No. I absolutely. I absolutely love to travel by myself. I love traveling with people, but I love exploring on my own as well. I, I completely understand that. So as a, as a young teenager, your brother suffered. Um, and so then you put everything kind of on hold and didn't realize till you're about 45 that, wow, there's a world I want to see. And um, maybe not feeling so guilty of getting out and traveling now at this point. Is your brother doing okay? Oh yeah, he's doing he's doing really really well. He um he's had a lot of the health difficulties, and he's where he is now is so much better than he has been for like the last ten years. Um, and we we're so grateful for that because he's in a really um, he doesn't need urgent or constant medical attention, which is is so difficult right now. You know, during um, with everything that's going on with the hospital, so. For him to be able to be home and not have to go into hospital all the time, as he as he was doing before, is just such a blessing. Um, that's amazing. And we're we're actually uh, taping this in August of 2020, and we're going through the COVID quarantine. How bad is it in London right now? Oh, it's a really good question. Uh, we have. Um, you know, it's a very it's a very strange situation that we have because, in some ways, things haven't changed a great deal from when we were at the most extreme part of lockdown. 
because we were always able to go out and say exercise or go to the shops, um, things like that. What's changed since then really is that uh, people have been allowed to travel um, and now able to stay away from home. So I'm actually on the, the south coast, and so we have a lot of tourists coming down. Um, and so uh, I'm kind of hiding <laughs> at the moment. Oh, certainly. Absolutely. And and I'm guessing you've put your travel uh, to a stop as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I, took, I think I've been on a train twice, uh, once a three-minute journey and once a 45-minute return journey, you know, for something I had to do. So oh, for good. me, yeah, I mean, I walk everywhere. I, I walk um, I'm very lucky because where I'm, I, I decided to stop for like a couple of months and then that's turned into eight, nine months, you know, but I'm, I'm within walking distance of my mother, my grandmother, my sisters. So, uh, that's really wonderful to, to be so, and also, even if I don't see them, I can say, Hey, if you need me, I'm around the corner. So, oh, how wonderful. So you kind of quarantined with your, with your squad there. You've got access to all of them. Um, and, and so as a traveler myself, I know this has been a very difficult time to not be able to get up and go and explore, but why don't you take us back to some of these places that you went to? Like, what was your favorite place and where did you find the most, most healing? Gosh, that is such a good question and such a hard question. <laughs> um, I, I would just say though, one of the things I, I felt during lockdown is I do feel a huge sense of gratitude that I was able to to go to these places before. And honestly, it seemed kind of crazy at the time because I just felt this pull to kind of go and do all these things. And and even myself, I was thinking, why am I going so fast? Why, why have I got to go to all these places? And why have I got to do it this way? And now I look back and I think, well, because I needed to do this and I needed to go to these places before – this time and I don't I don't feel bad about not being able to travel because I think it's already like it's already in me I've I've sort of absorbed so much very good yeah I think so many places I think for me what surprised me is how connected I felt in Mexico Um, and that is a place I feel so comfortable and it's like a spiritual home for me and that was such a surprise because of, you know, the images that we get, you know, through UK and American like TV and films. Mexico is just not depicted as such a wonderful place. And I, I just, um, I had some of the most wonderful adventures there, especially with, um, in, on the Sea of Cortez and in Baja, the, the, um, the really salt lagoons there where the grey whales go. And I think, in terms of animal experiences, I just don't think you'd get any better than going out and touching, you know, having there the gray whales actually come up to the boats because they, they, and you can feel their love and you can feel the heart of such a big animal. And that is just, it's overwhelming when a great big whale comes to the boat to see you. Wow. Breathtaking. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think for me, it's like sometimes with animals, you, uh, you learn more about love. Oh, no kidding. Like how? What have you seen? Oh, just, you know, with the gray whales, you know, they, when they come to you, they just, they just love you. 
you know, they just want to be in your presence. And there's no condition, there's no, you know, exchange of, they don't come to be petted, you know, they're just, uh, it's, it's something really, really amazing and pure about that kind of love, you know, and be able to feel that, that loving energy. Their presence, you feel their presence and they feel your presence. Totally. That's neat. So you have written uh, several books and a lot on your travels, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when I started writing, it was, I I wrote these very small mini guides and I originally started writing them on my website. And, and then at a certain point I thought, well, you know what, these, these would make good little guidebooks. And so that's what I did. I pulled them together and made them into guidebooks. And uh, what happened was I, I also started a, a big book about healing and because I, I got very into massage and to healing treatments. And so I would go and experience all these kind of crazy things and, and, and create this book. And that's, that's actually on the seventh edition now. That's huge. And it's got all kinds of these weird, <laughs> you know, Mexican, Moroccan treatments and Japanese and Chinese. And yeah, it's got like 500 different kinds of experience in there. What's the name of that book? Uh, I think it's called The Pearl Escapes Guide to Healing. Um, I think I created a quite a long, funky title for it. But <laughs> it's, each, each time, you know, the, the, the guide changes the name slightly because it started off as this really tiny guide. It was so small. And now it's like, it's so big. I'm like, okay, I, I think that maybe I'm done now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, is this something that the listener can get on like Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. I think all the books are available on Amazon. And I mean, that book particularly, it's it's like an encyclopedia of healing. And I wrote that because when I started to get really passionate about healing, I would go out and I, of course I would have some bad experiences because I didn't really know what I was doing. <laughs> and so I kind of wrote it in a way of explaining you know, what to look for and what a good treatment should feel like and, and just basic safety and things like that. Like, for example, um, there's a beautiful treatment that's so powerful and it's called Shirodhara. And I had that in, uh, in London and I also had it in Bangkok as well. And it's where they pour oil onto your forehead. And it's, it's incredibly like clarifying. It, it kind of really cleanses the mind. Um, but I was in Croatia and I, was, I had this really bad migraine and I went to like a Hilton hotel in Croatia in Dubrovnik and I, I saw, oh, Shiratara, great, I'll go and get this. And I had this, this massage um, and it was wonderful, but it was just, I didn't, it was not Shiratara because <laughs> it, no, it was just like a, you know, a massage of your temples and this kind of thing. So I think it's, it's good it was kind of weird because when I was going out, I thought, you know what? I don't know what any of this spa menu means. I don't know what any of these things are. And then I would ask like the receptionist in the spa and I would say, well, what is that? And what's that? And they go, I don't know. I don't know. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. That's scary. I don't know what I'm getting. Well, I think I was a little bit, I don't know. I kind of think it was, it was, you know, in terms of exploring, I just felt such a passion for, discovering it that I think I looking back I think I went to that spa I did that thing I took my clothes off there for a massage are you kidding me 
you had a lot of courage, but you were on a mission. You were on a mission to find healing. And sounds like, you know, several hundred pages worth of a, a book. Um, you've, you've found a lot of resources out there for people. Well, I think the thing is, is yeah, it's, we, we have difficulties in life. You know, we, we always have difficulties in life, even before uh, a time like we're in now, you know, even without a major trauma in life. Just getting through life, we need support, we need healing, we need comfort. And I think that, you know, if you go back, if you, and you go and explore cultures like the Japanese culture or China and places like that, massage and, and Morocco, of course, Morocco, and massage and healing is such a big part of the culture. You know, it's, I loved it when I was in like Hong Kong and China because. All the, a lot of business people, when they finished work for the day, they didn't go to a bar. They'd go and, and, and have reflexology. And we'd be sitting in a big room. We'd say, this big room. And you look around and it's all, um, if you imagine like, a, you know, like a, an airport lounge where you've got gotcha. chairs, you know. So there's about 20 people in a room all getting, um, you know, their feet done and everything. And it's so relaxing. You know, you fall asleep while you're having it done. You think, what a great thing to do at the end of a really busy work day. No kidding. And and wow, you know, at the end of the work week, I know everyone's ha- heading to happy hour, myself included, and never thought to end the week or a day, you know, treating myself to something. I mean, gosh, massage places are all around and available. And, um, you know, there's so many things we can buy to have massage done on ourselves just at the comfort of our home. You know, it doesn't have to be expensive, but what a great way to self-heal too. It's, it's, and I think it's, it's one of those things I, I, because I've done so many things, what's been kind of nice is I'm connected with lots of different communities. Um, so I've been party to like the conversation here. So amongst the fitness community um, and also with the fitness community in the States, who are really struggling with, with all the places being closed and all the people who work in spas and, um, you know, they're going through such difficulty as well. Right. It's a but, tough time. And I, but I think the thing is, is, you know, what's really important is that we understand, you know, we kind of value people, even if we can't have a treatment right now, even if we can't have a, an exercise class night class right now, that especially here where we kind of, have been coming out of lockdown that we respect, you know, how important those things are to people. Absolutely. And yeah. So we've, we've had a lot of here with, there's been a lot of discussion about, you know, priorities, you know, why are we priority prioritizing this business or why are we not prioritizing something? Else? Excuse me. It's, it's late. But for example, we had a huge campaign about swimming pools because, um, the people who swim in England were were desperate to get the pools open and they'd done all this research on how it could be done really safely um, and then were just kind of ignored. So then there was a huge campaign to put pressure on the government to then open up the pools and then the government turned around and said, oh, yes, you can open the pools tomorrow. Oh, the, good. Yeah, because of the chlorine, because it, it is a much lower risk. Right. And, Thank and goodness. It's, it's doing, yeah, but it's about doing things in a sensible way. Right. And it's amazing here in the States, we're finding things like kayaks and paddle boards and bicycles are hard to get a hold of because they have been sold out, which I love. People are now making positive changes in their lives 
making some healthy choices. You know, the bars weren't open, so now we can maybe go to doing healthy things, doing things with our families. You know, you try to find the positive or the silver lining even through our COVID and quarantining. And I have certainly seen a lot of people turning to exercise. And even things like the Zumba that you teach and the yoga that I teach were being done online. You know, people, I know I offered... I made at least 50 videos of yoga for people to be able to do from their comfort of their home. Were you able to do your Zumba with people? Yeah, and that was a huge step forward because um, I think there was a morning when I woke up and I just said, you know what, I'm going to have to email the Zumba head office and say, come on, you've got to let us teach online. And that very same day, an announcement came out, out and they said, we're giving everybody around the world permission to teach online because it's our it's our license that says you can't teach an online class. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And as soon as they they announced that, you know, there was it was a lot of drama, you know. But it was like, yes, of course, I'm going to teach. This is what I'm going to do. And and I think for all of us, it's been a learning curve because I'm I'm teaching live stream classes. Um, and that's what kind of works for my participants. It, we've tried the Zin Studio, which they've created a platform, Zumba created a platform for us to, to release pre-recorded classes. Um, but I, I haven't really made that work for my guys, yeah. But the difficulty we have is the music licensing. Gotcha, using those songs, that music over on a video, and you get stopped. Yep, I understand that. We- we have a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot to learn. But, you know, I think Zumba, I will say, I think they've been absolutely fantastic. They've done so many different things. They've had funds. They've done um, food bank support. Um, and they've supported so many instructors. And they've also launched training. We did. I did a free training last week, which was called Virtual Pro, which is learning about how to teach online. Um and they've, they've also done live stream classes for us uh, with the top instructors around the world. We were supposed to have convention. They created a virtual convention and they did taster classes of all the top things that you would have seen normally. So for, some, for a lot of people who've never been able to go to convention in the States, that was their first experience of convention. That was their first chance to be able to experience all these different classes. So I think... That was a real silver lining for a lot of people. Very good. Very good. And you got involved in teaching Zumba also to individuals with multiple sclerosis and Alzheimer's. Can you tell us a little bit more about that experience and what got you there? Yeah. And I I must admit, I love, you know, we're talking about traveling and I think so often you start on something and you've got no idea where you're going to end up. And for me, Zumba was kind of, I had actually quit my job. I had a big, a big job in um, finance and I had kind of left that and I had was starting going to Zumba and I was really enjoying it. And somebody said, oh, you can train as a, an instructor. And if you knew how bad I was at sports at school, you know, the idea of me being a fitness instructor was just crazy. So, so crazy. Wow. And but I didn't have a job. So I thought, well, let me explore this. And, and actually it was great because all the instructors who were coming into my gym, 
I would ask them all, I say, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think I could do it? Do it? And they go, yeah, go for it. Yeah. You know. And, awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I had one instructor who came in, uh, you know, cover instructor came in and she was a bit like, well, I think there's too many Zumba instructors really, you know. Uh, but everyone else was very supportive. <laughs> well, it's nice that you had that support. You know, you have a little self-doubt, like, well, I wasn't a great student, great at athletes, athletics, but, hmm. but What actually happened was I thought if I was going to teach, apart from the standard classes, I thought if I was going to teach anything, I would end up teaching kids, you know, because I love kids. Right. Uh, but the center I was teaching at, I, was, I spoke to them about it, and they said, well, actually – we've got loads of stuff for kids, but we don't have anything for older adults. And I said, oh, well, they've got this other program for older adults. Why don't I do that? I'll go and train in Zumba Gold. And I, and I did that. And it just, it, I kind of, it, it was just sort of like it took off in a way of people would start coming to the class and they would start talking about their conditions. And, and, I, and I just kept seeing a gap. You know, I just kept, I mean, seated exercise, actually getting the seated Zumba goal going was really tough because people didn't believe that they could do seated exercise that was going to be fun. Sure. And benefit them. I see the same with yoga. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then as soon as I started, and I had to work so hard, I was like, I think sometimes now when I'm trying to do something and it's really hard to get started, I think, you know, nothing's as hard as, as when I was trying to get a demo class and I was I was I was going to all the charities and I was I just had this kind of like I really want to give you this free class I want to give you a demo and and what actually happened was I had been doing volunteering before for a carers uh, project and we won an award for the project oh neat so, congratulations that was lovely oh yeah I kind of forget about these things and so we I went to with my my team to go and get this award and I was still wearing all my Zumba gear because I had to like cycle from my previous class and I, like, I want to go and get this award and we're going to this lovely building and I got there and the next person who won an award was our local mayor and she had a lunch club for older people so I I went up to her in the room at the end I went oh isn't it great you've won an award we've won an award I went right would you like, can I please come and give you a seat? And because we've met this awards thing, she said. Oh, okay. perfect. Perfect How timing. Are what are the chances you're going to, you know, be right in front of somebody that cheers oh, this uh, thing for oh. elderly people. That's wonderful. Well, and, it was meant and to be. It was such a fun class. And I used to go out to them once a month and we used to do it in a library and it was really funny because the security guard used to come in and he used to kind of join in and all the library was like, going, we're in a library. What's going on with all this music? Oh, how fun. It's Everybody's just, curious. That's neat. And what I, what it was just, you know, I think when you have those classes, you know, there's such, it was such a great group of people. And I started to learn like what, what it was doing for people. And then, you know, as you learn, okay, this works for multiple sclerosis, this works for dementia, this works for arthritis, this works for, and people come up at the end and say, oh, well, I can, I can do this now with my hand and I couldn't do that before. And yeah, and, and the dementia thing was just, I mean, that was such, we, I actually, this was so lucky. I had, um, they started a pilot project for dementia. So for the whole of the UK, round the corner from 
my main center. And because they, everyone knew me at that point, by then they knew me. And so when it was starting, you know, I went along to the op- big opening and, and they had so much funding. They had funding from the NHS, from uh, the Al- Alzheimer's Society. And, and, they, and it, it's a beautiful center. It has, you know, sensory stuff. It's got different colors and a garden. And so they were like, right, you're going to come in and you're going to teach classes every month and you're going to do this. And Sounds beautiful. It was amazing. It was amazing. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really grateful for those experiences because it's, it's taught me so much about you know, how effective the music is and exercise is. So, you know, every time I question what I'm doing, I'm like, no, it works. It works. Something confirms that you're right where you need to be doing exactly what you need to be doing. That's amazing. So, and, and you just have so many different experiences. Um, so you you now you're doing you're doing the Zumba. Well, obviously with COVID, it's a little different. Um, and you have these books out. You said you've written like seventy books. <laughs> yeah. And are most of them the travel brochures that you turned into books, and that one uh-huh. big healing book? Or is there well, additional? Well, I think uh, it's funny because there sort of seems to be series of series of books and. Um, so about five years ago, I wrote a book. It's actually a little tiny book. It's called Meditation for Angry People. Okay, I saw that on your website. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a very small book, but actually it's probably been my bestseller um, across the board. And, Meditation for Angry People. Yeah, and it was really just came out of I had a lot of anger and I was studying a lot of meditation and creating meditation and understanding how to work with my own emotions and I just sat down I said right I'm gonna I'm gonna write down everything I know all my practices and I did that and I was like okay that's you know that's a small book wow Uh, so you took from your own experience you're trying to work through your own anger and found all these different tools that worked for you and compiled it into a book how neat Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what I, I've learned so much and one of the things is never to try and suppress anger or other emotions, you know, that when you do that, when you bottle things up, it just, you know, I mean, sometimes obviously you might need to wait <laughs> and get home. Sure. <laughs> you can sure. safely express your anger. Exactly. You don't want to do um, it on the road or perhaps oh, in front gosh, of people. You, it's been so useful at the moment with, with, coronavirus because I have lost my temper several times with people and um, I see it a lot you know out in the world as well and uh, it's it's difficult but I think also you know I've realized that it's very difficult at the moment because I think sometimes you do experience abuse you know you experience people swearing at you or being abusive and um, you know sometimes sometimes it's okay to kind of stick up for yourself absolutely absolutely but you have to do it in a way where you're not lowering yourself to their level but you know you you try to do it with a little more character and it's hard to do but with the skills you know you learn how to breathe first before you blurt out the wrong thing try to (laughs) rationalize and you know it is it's a work in progress but i'll bet i'll bet your little book of meditation for angry people gives people um, a lot of tools on how to deal with those difficult or abusive people. 
Well, actually, one of the things I'm actually most proud of um, at the moment is that it's been, it keeps showing up in the Amazon chart for parenting emotions and feelings. And it's not like I wouldn't call it a parenting book and I didn't write it as a parenting book, but for some reason it's got into that category. And, and actually I love that because um, <laughs> I also had to deal with a lot of anger when I was growing up. <laughs> okay. And so I think, you know, often, you know, when we experience anger, we have problems with anger. It's often because, you know, that's how we've learned to deal with things from, possibly our parents or, or people around us. So if if families are buying this book, if, if parents are buying this book, I'm so, uh, you know, it's hard to, what, what's the word I could use to describe that? It's just I'm grateful and relieved. Like they're going to have these tools to deal with their own anger and help their kids with their anger. So you've you've ended up giving tools to the very people that that need it, that maybe you could have benefited from yourself as a kid. Well, actually, the word I was looking for is fulfilled. I feel uh-huh. very fulfilled, you know, like, the, you know, something a, a, kind of like a circle completing or something. I just, I love that feeling. Absolutely. Wow. That's really amazing. So you, you've written these books and some for escaping to amazing places that you've traveled all over the world, some to help people to get through their lives and their emotions. Um, and you've offered, you offer this Zumba in helping people but you've also had this background in film. Tell oh, yeah. us a little bit about this filmmaking. That was like yeah. your major or something, yeah, right? I fell in love with, um, well, I was at university and I was studying maths, um, but I also loved writing. And so I actually went to the film club and I said, hey, you know, can I write reviews for you? Because that would be a way for me to carry on keeping my writing going. Uh, while I was studying maths and and then I just kind of got sucked completely into the film club and it was like that was my full-time job I became the manager of that and gosh you know I learned everything about running a film running a cinema and I learned to be a projectionist and um, to book films and um, I learned oh a lot of stuff that goes on in the projection books and how to run a business you know all all that stuff and I went to film society uh, events, film festivals, and it's funny actually. One of the great films that I saw, we went to a, a film festival up in Scotland, and they actually flew me up because I was, I was also, I think I was the head of the the student British Federation of Film Society, and I, you know, it was it was great. And they said, "Oh, can you come and talk to the people up in Scotland about film society?" So I went, "Yep, yeah, that's great. I'll go." Oh and my goodness! What an experience. I yeah, it was the second time I'd I'd been on a plane. <laughs> oh my gosh! So this is years ago, and it might have been it might be one of the first times I w- I stayed in a hotel because I had never you know they were like yeah we'll fly you up and put you in a hotel I was like wow this is you know oh was, so you were was, pretty young doing all this oh well, I was a student if you gave me a free sandwich I was very excited <laughs> absolutely what a I'm neat still, worldly well, experience I'm still excited if someone gives me a free sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> It's the little things in life, isn't it? That's oh, yeah. hilarious. But um, what we got at this this festival, I got to see the one of the premieres of the film Strictly Ballroom. I don't know that one. It's it's the film that actually sparked uh, Dancing with the Stars. Oh, okay. Wow. 
it's it, called it, strictly it, boring no no strictly ballroom oh ballroom oh that's yeah. funny i'm like strictly boring i've never heard of that <laughs> strictly ballroom oh yeah absolutely that's awesome i didn't realize that that kind of was the uh catapult for dancing with the stars that makes sense now yeah yeah but anyway so uh, yeah I just kind of fell in love with film and then I got a job in film when I left university and then uh just you know worked in that environment for a really long time and then eventually I started working in production I because I, I started in sales and so I would, it was great I got to go to the Cannes Film Festival and and do all that and and uh, then I went to, yeah, I, I, but I wanted to get into production, not just in film sales. Gotcha. And so I, I ended up going and doing another degree. And it, it sounds really obvious, like, oh, I did this, I did that, but it was actually over a course of quite a few years. And, and I kept making films. And then in the end, I made a dance film. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. What a plethora of experiences you have had from your travel to your careers, from uh, the whole filmmaking industry to finance industry, uh, you know, and writing books and being in the entire publishing and author industry and then the uh, exercise industry. Seems like there isn't an industry you haven't touched. And that, that's pretty amazing. I mean, that's you've lived life fully. Thank you. Well, you only get one life is what I, I think. And I, I think the thing is that there have been times in my life where I have really got into a rut. And I think I spent three years at my last job in finance. And and that was during, you know, the last big recession. That was, um, I think I was there from 2007 to 2010. Oh, those were and rough really years. Yeah, I really got stuck there. And I, and I think you know, in a way it's kind of being in the eye of the storm and, and seeing everything that happened. And it was, you know, it was kind of scary because it was people I knew uh, working at those companies that were just, you know, going, you know, on the news, you, you know, you could be your friend walk, walking down the road with a cardboard box, you know, of their belongings from their office. And, uh, but I think in the end, I just, I just woke up and everyone kind of, because I was in that world, everyone kept saying, well, you can't quit your job because you're never going to get another one in finance. Um, it's so tough out there. And, and part of me was also hoping they were going to make me redundant. I was like, please make me redundant and pay me. And then I can go and do something else. And then just one day I just woke up and I was just, I was in such pain. I had a really bad migraine and it was a Saturday morning. And I just thought, you know what? I can cope with being miserable five days a week, but this is now I'm miserable six days a week and very soon it's going to be seven days a week. And I, I, it's either me or the job. You know, I have to choose my life because, you know, my life is, and it, it was, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And I, I think the thing is one of the things I kind of say at the moment and, um, I, I mean, you know this from yoga is, you know, when you're dealing with meditation practice or healing practice or, or anything that we're doing, it's kind of, it's so important that we're not just sort of healing ourselves and then going back and, and, and damaging ourselves again. Right. You know? 
You have to keep the practice going. You have to keep, it's, it's a process. You have to keep working on yourself. Absolutely. And I, and I realized that's what I was doing to myself. You know, when I was working there, it was literally, I was spending the whole weekend recovering from the week and then going straight back into it. And I always remember like what my boss said when I went in on Monday morning and I just said, you know, I quit. And he said, no, you don't. <laughs> I said, yes, no, I really, I really am quitting. I really, and he was like, but why? And I said, because I hate my job. Good <laughs> for said, you. But he said, we all hate our jobs. That's no reason to quit. <laughs> and I was just like, no. And, and actually part of it was that everybody there hate, had, and we didn't hate it at first. You know, we didn't hate it when we started. It, you know, when I first started working there, it was fun and it was great. And, um, but it, it just, it, it, it kind of, Unfortunately, and th- this is what you find is that you know, we have to adapt when there's a really difficult situation, but then th- they just kept piling the pressure on afterwards. Certainly, certainly. Yeah. And it's just, you start feeling yourself sinking deeper and deeper and, you know, you're, you're stressed. And it's interesting mm-hmm. how you put it that, you know, you spend the whole weekend recovering from the week. If that's what people are doing, which I'm sure many are, that's a big red flag, isn't it? Like, wow. And then you come right back into it on Monday. Oh my gosh. And you just get built up, built up stress and angst and, you know, migraines and body, your whole body reacts to that stress. And you find yourself perhaps overweight, not healthy, not making time for the exercise and doing all the stuff that's good for your mind and body. And then you get to the weekend and you try to do a couple of those good things, but it's not enough. And you just get back into the cycle. So, yeah, I appreciate that. I I get it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, what I've experienced the last few months has been, um, you know, for all of us, it's it's so extreme. You know, what, what, you know, people, obviously we have different levels of it. And um, what I found is that I had to be very, very gentle with myself over the last few months because um, I would kind of keep getting weird injuries, you know, and I think that's to do with how we're feeling as a community, you know, that when we are stressed and we are, um, you know, going through a trauma. Sure, anxious and stressed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but we we kind of have to be um, so supportive and kind to ourselves and each other. Absolutely. Yeah, and and it's, it's... it's a it's such a challenge because you know part of you just wants to go to the fridge and just open the ice cream and like never stop eating right oh sure sure and they they've joked around that you're you know either going to come out of this a chunk a drunk or a hunk like either you're going to eat your your anxiety and stress you're going to drink your anxiety and stress or you're going to get out there and exercise and that's why you know, all these bikes and kayaks and everything else aren't available, at least in the States, uh, because people are really trying to exercise and use it for good. Well, so. I, think, I think we're doing well if you kind of, you do a little bit of those things. You know? Exactly. If you rotate them, then you can't, you know, you, you're not going to, um, you, you're not going to do too much damage. Right. Moderation, everything in moderation. Well, I really appreciate you. I know it's late for you there in London, Pearl, and I appreciate you sharing some of the tools that have worked for you, dealing with anger, dealing with stress. And I admire the fact that you just left your job. You just 
took that risk. It's not easy to do. But, you know, seeing that cycle of taking the whole weekend to recover from the stress of the the work week, you know, that's a big eye opener. And for you to, you know, have gone traveling to seek the different healing masters and to share uh, your experiences and your knowledge in books, I appreciate that. I'm going to share the links on um, the write-up of this podcast as well. Uh, I love that you have been a filmmaker and in the film industry, in the finance industry, and now a Zumba teacher. I mean, you, you've you had your hand in a lot of different careers, and that's pretty neat. You know, you have a plethora of experiences, and I just want to thank you so much for experiencing, uh, sharing your experiences with us and you know, everybody has an opportunity to feel alive and do what they need to do. We can all take that risk and get out there, wake up your own life, start writing, read books, take classes, watch videos, whatever you need to do, do those things, especially now where we have the time, those of us that aren't working during this um, pandemic time. I mean, gosh, better your life, right? So. And thank you so much. And I tell you what, can I just share one more thing with you? Because sure. after I did all this traveling, a place I went to, um, I, I traveled after that, I traveled a lot in England and in, in the UK. And I went to this place and it was, when I, when I got there, I realized it was a real powerful pilgrimage. And I actually went to the Bronte Parsonage. And that was the home of the Bronte sisters. Um, uh, I forget their names, like Emily Bronte. <laughs> Okay. Uh, and um, Jane, I'm terrible. My name, my words got it. But the, the thing about those sisters is they wrote some of the most amazing books. They wrote Wuthering Heights, Jane Eyre. Oh, yeah. And at Wildfell Hall. And they did not really get to, to travel. And um, Anne, who was, the I think, the youngest sister, she... She she really had her dream. Her dream was to visit Scarborough, which is I don't even know. I think it was less than a hundred miles away from her home, and she she actually went there, and sadly she that's where she died, and her her um her graveyard is her gravestone is there. But all of the, these sisters managed to write such incredible books and such you know powerful books. Yeah, classics. Without, yeah, without traveling, without going on grand tours, without doing. So although I I love the fact I've done all this traveling, I always say this because, you know, these women just created from a very very small life experience. And when you read something like Wuthering Heights, the passion in that, you know, the passion for. The, the location and for, for the place and everything it's you, you know you don't right now obviously I just think it's great to remember that you know that we don't have to travel in order to explore you know we don't have to to experience so much to be able you know what we've already experienced in our lifetimes is worth sharing and it's worth I think for most people writing about and drawing from that experience because we've all I think we've all had great experiences in our lives if we kind of allow that to flow and we allow that and we share that I completely agree I agree with you and I think everybody has a story everybody has a story and it's so and this is what I love doing I love hearing people's stories you know it doesn't matter if you've stayed in Ohio all your life you still have a, a journey that's worth sharing so I completely agree with that and I'm glad that you um, 
reiterated that because that's really important to validate people's lives and understand that you've got something to share, probably something to teach somebody by sharing your story. So absolutely. And I love that you saying that even though you are so well traveled that you don't have to travel in order to explore. It's beautiful. You're absolutely right. I mean, just reading books and researching, you can see so much out there and I love that. So thank you. Thank you for your words of wisdom. Pearl, I'm so glad that we um, connected through the podcast. And uh, if you want to tell everyone where they can find you, I'll also put it on um, my show notes. But we can find you at, is it Pearl Escapes? Yeah, that's my website. And um, I'm I'm coming up with lots more new things all the time. So it's it's worth kind of like checking in and uh and see what's going on yeah there's always something creative going on in the house and i love it and i have checked it out and i you know you have your blog you have your book access and um you know a plethora of resources and of course all your background knowledge from all the various experiences you've had so definitely a website for people to check out pearl escapes let's live our best lives and thank you again pearl appreciate you Today, we learn from Pearl that whatever you experience in a lifetime is worth sharing. You don't have to travel in order to explore. You can wake up your life by reading, watching videos, taking classes, writing, or doing photography. You only get one life. Live it fully. If you are spending your weekends recovering from the stress of your work week, maybe it's time for a change. Today's gratitude is one doesn't discover new lands without consenting to lose sight of the shore for a very long time. Andre Gide. Well, that's it for today's interview. We hope our guest's story helps you get through your story. Don't stop believing and keep on dancing.